So good morning, everyone. Um, on Friday this past week, a couple of very exciting things happened in our spiritual community, and the first one was the World Peace Meditation on Friday morning uh, that was lovely and, and um, important. And then later in the day, something perhaps even slightly more important to us happened, and that was when Reverend Patrick and Laura and Max became Canadian citizens on Friday. So I was reflecting on their um, path to that event on Friday, and eight years ago I uh, was on the board and on the candidating committee along with Norm McLeod and Reverend Sue Stevens and numerous other people, and um, we, we had a, a um, position to fill here, and we were looking for the uh, brightest and the best pastor to come forward and fill that position. So one of the things that we needed to do was put together a candidating package. And the reason you do that is you tell prospective um, people what our spiritual community is like and, of course, what our city is like in case they need to move here. And so we put, all, put together all the demographics and everything that would make Edmonton seem like a wonderful place to come to. Well, <laughs> we, lo and behold, uh, a man that we didn't know then but know well now, Patrick Cameron, was in Simi Valley, California, and he said yeah, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And so we thought that that was great. So they came up one weekend to have a look at our community, to have a look at our spiritual community, um, and to speak. And that weekend we were hosting them. And so my job was to take them around the city. And I thought, well, the first thing I need to do, of course, is to show them our lovely River Valley, because it's the jewel of the city. And I'll never forget, we parked at the Hotel McDonald, and we walked out on the platform. And I'm telling you, the River Valley never looked more beautiful than it did that day. And on top of that, it was a 29-degree day in Edmonton. So, so I felt like even the universe was conspiring to get these people from California here. And just before we left the platform, that little niggly question came up. One of them asked, so is this what the weather's like all the time here? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> So we, the other thing that they wanted to look at, because they were bringing their family here, Max um, and Davis, was, you know, the real estate and what it would take to come up here. Well, if we go back eight years in California, the price of the cost of living was skyrocketing, real estate was skyrocketing, and here we hadn't really even started up that path yet. So Sue's showing them around Sherwood Park, and they see a house, and, you know, it's a three-bedroom house, and it's got a fenced backyard, and it looks beautiful. And Patrick says, yeah, so do you have any idea, you know, what that house might go for? And, you know, Sue or somebody said, oh, I think about $220,000. And Patrick said, for the full house? <laughs> <laughs> so even the real estate um, conditions were conspiring to get them here. So on a much more serious note, when I heard about the ceremony on Friday, I, I was thinking about what it took for Patrick and Laura to come here and um, to move from California to this town, this northern city. And one of the things I've known from the very first day that they took the position here as our spiritual director is they have been all in from day one. And they have uh, 
completely committed to our spiritual home here. Patrick has led us to be the fastest uh, new thought, growing new thought church in Canada. Uh, yeah, and they, they have given everything to this spiritual community in eight years. Max, I heard rumors, uh, wasn't that crazy about coming at the beginning, but now he's enrolled in med school here. And so they've embraced it. They've embraced our city. The first time they went to an Oilers game, they became Oilers fans, and they take part in the arts. They have just embraced everything. So I remember at the very beginning, the first year, uh, Laura would say to me, do you know how lucky you are to live in Edmonton? And, you know, the, the, co- the cost of living is great, and it's, you know, clean, and you can golf, and all those things. And as fellow Edmontonians, I know you feel that way, but generally we don't hear other people say, do you know how lucky you are to live in Edmonton? <laughs> so I knew that they were fully in. So I'd like to ask them up, Laura, Reverend Patrick, and Max... And I would like to ask all of you to please stand. Going this way. (laughs) So I know that I speak for everyone here when I say thank you for coming and leading our spiritual community from California. Thank you. And thank you for embracing our city as your own. And most of all, thank you on Friday for choosing our country as your own. So all together now, and I think you probably know the words to this one. will be at the welcome table at the end of service, so do stop by and, uh, and write something to Patrick and Lauren Max. All right, thank you. That, that was on the test, by the way. And if you're here for the first time, we don't do this every week. Thank you for understanding. Thank you all for standing and, and singing that song with us. And I'm going to invite you, if you choose to sing a song with me before we pray. And some of you I know like to, to stand, and that's certainly uh, 
an opportunity. And if not, please stay seated. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very I invite you to know with me as I speak these words in the I am one life perfect life God's life my life and in that knowing I know that every good thing necessary to be revealed this moment and each moment hereafter is made clear and beautiful I stand in that that beautiful opening of divine guidance and wisdom and clarity knowing that I'm resourced in every good way that at the beginning of this 2011, I start with a clean slate. I honor the past. I honor all of the opportunities that have been gifted into my experience. And I welcome the dawning of a new life fraught with the wisdom and the, the clarity and the beauty, grounded in the truth of who I am and whose I am. And so I just celebrate it. I celebrated in standing in great gratitude and appreciation, standing in unconditional love with you and with myself and for myself. I give thanks, knowing this day, this moment is perfect. I surrender to the power and presence of the infinite within. I find the perfect and I see what arises. I give thanks. I give thanks for this teaching. All the teachers whose shoulders I stand upon. I give thanks. In great gratitude, I release these words knowing every good thing continues to conspire in every good way for a great experience. And together we say, and so it is. Wow. Beautiful. <clears throat> we, 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 we did this um, little presentation at the first service and it was just a, uh, a mess. So I got, it through, I got through it this time much better. It was, it was quite a, a moving experience to be part of that. And I think it's interesting. I think everyone, I thought about it. We were at the ceremony. There were 31 countries represented. 86 people went through the, the uh, ceremony for citizenship. And I thought how significant and meaningful it was. Because you, when you're, at, and, and there were you know, all ages there. Families of five and six that had come from the Congo or Sri Lanka or whatever. And to watch the people come up and receive their, everyone receives a, a certificate. And I have mine on there, and it has a very nice uh, welcome to Canada from, from um, I don't know who this guy is. I really don't. <laughs> it's Jason somebody. Is it you, Jason? Jason Kenny. He's the Minister of Citizenship is who he is. And then on the back, of course, Stephen Harper. But it was, it was a wonderful uh, ceremony. 
One of the things that the presiding judge said, and she was wonderful, just the wonderful energy. She had a beautiful French accent and was born in, in Lebanon, and she's been here 25 years, and she welcomed everyone, and it was just, just made it very special. One of the things she said in the ceremony was, go home and meet your neighbor. Go home and meet your neighbor and talk to your neighbor. Because when we know one another, we are less likely to fear one another. And I thought, wow, isn't that a sweet thing to say, to encourage us to be in higher relationship. And I think where it touched me so deeply was when, as we understand ourselves better, there's less to fear. My teacher would say over and over and over again when I was studying practitioner work and I was studying uh, ministerial training, and she would look at me after I'd get done telling these amazingly wonderful stories about how horrible life can be, even though I'm trying so hard to apply these principles. And she'd nod and nod and listen and listen and listen. And then she'd say, there's nothing to fear. And then I'd come back the next week with an even better story to scare that daylights out of her. And she'd tell me, there's nothing to fear. So finally I realized that I wasn't getting much traction out of these stories. (laughs) I wasn't getting the response I was looking for. Last week we did our burning bowl ceremony. And we had flash paper. Everyone got some flash paper and... If you weren't here, I'll demonstrate flash paper. Very hard to get, but I have, no, I have my own pack of flash paper. And what we did is we decided what we were ready to let go of, and the flash paper became the metaphor. And I know a number of you were here, but, but uh, some weren't. So I thought, but it's a wonderful example. So what we did is we took something that we were carrying with us and decided we're, we've had enough. We're ready to let it go. And so a wonderful metaphor. And flat, what flash paper does sort of just disappears before it can hit the, the floor. So... Um, Wonderful metaphor. And then what we did is we, everyone got a white slate, a white stone, the white stone ceremony. And we did a bit of a meditation, and I invited people to think about what the nature of the quality, what's the new name. And the white stone is inspired by the Roman tradition that when you were released from prison, you would be given a white stone, you'd be given a clean slate. And so you could write on there the quality and so I spent some time in meditation and prayer this week, and I finally came up with my quality, my nature. And so I wrote it on there actually this morning. And if you weren't here, you can still do it. You can still find something that you, you, you vow or commit to. But the white stone ceremony is when they released you from prison in Roman times, you were given this white stone, and you could show it to people and say, Hey, I did my time. I'm, I've been released from prison, and this is my clean slate. I thought, what a neat, neat metaphor for us, because sometimes we do create our own prisons of thinking and ways of being. And that's why I think it's such a demanding thing that we, we participate in. This whole, this whole um, shifting and changing in consciousness, it just simply has to go. So I wanted to talk a bit today about inevitability. I look back at our journey of coming to Canada, and it's been an adventure from living in the basement to the, of the center to you know what, what has transpired and continues to unfold. And I remember when I was applying, when I received the packet and I filled it out and I was mailing it back and Max looked at the envelope and he, he said, <clears throat> I had put on there uh, whatever the AB for Alberta. And Max said, Alabama? Are you applying for a job in Alabama? And I said, no, not Alabama. <laughs> No worries about that one, buddy. We're not moving to Alabama. <laughs> the book of the month, and actually we're going to use this book, and I realized that I was remiss in my, my, uh, my duties. We have a new banner 
And the banner is now is the time when we are the ones, and this month it is to awaken. This is a, a philosophy and a teaching of awakening. And, it, and the challenge for us, at least my experience has been, it's to, to awake and then to stay awake. And every time I fall back to sleep, though, I don't, get, I don't fall back to sleep as deeply as I had in the past, which is a good thing, and it can also be very frustrating because there's days when I wish I could just forget it all. And then I realize, no, that's not the way this works. It's not what I signed up for. But in this book by Mark Nepo, it's called The Book of Awakening. And I was in Costco, and I was, I, there was a young man in front of me, that was very tall, and he had the book in his hand. And, he was, and I thought, that's a wonderful book. And, I've been, and, and so in my prayer work, I always, I'm always asking for the guidance and the ideas. And I came home, and I said to the Lord, you know, I think we should do The Book of Awakening to start the year. And she said, well, why don't we use that as sort of a, the book of the year, and we can weave other things into it. And the one thing I love about it is short little re, uh, readings. Every day of the year, there's a reading in here. And Mark Nepo is a poet. And what poets do, I think, so beautifully is they take the ordinary and they bring the awe and the wonder to it. So you look at it and go, wow. I was watching Joel Olstein. I just love Joel. He's just a wonderful minister and he's got this great energy. And he's in, he's in Houston and he fills, the, he fills the old, I don't know what it is, it's an old basketball auditorium. It's like 18,000 people there every Sunday. I just think about it. How would you coordinate 18,000? How many ushers do you need to pull that off? Anyway, but Joel was talking, and he said, you know, this week when you go out and, and sip your coffee, sip it and just say, ah, and you have it. You know, some of you are sitting there with your coffee right now. As you sip it, ah. But he, he talked about the wonder and the enjoyment of being in the present moment. And so Mark Nepo, this, January 3rd is the, the reading. He says, Unlearn, unlearning back to God. <clears throat> And the quote is by Helen Luke at the beginning. He says, to choose, excuse me, the coming to consciousness is not a discovery of something new. It is a long and painful return to that which has always been. See, I think what we all long for in our lives is to feel okay. I really think we get, we, we get going in the world and then things happen and there's things we set our sights on and there's things in relationships and there's jobs and opportunities, whatever it may be. And then things happen. And there's this, this unsettling quality that says, yeah, I'm not okay. I mean, at the end of the day, the simp- it, it, it is, it's all there for us. So how do we open up to our okayness, which is really that divine space of light and love that's just available for all of us? But if we're not exposed to the ideas, if we don't have spiritual practice in our life, if we don't have mentors and we don't have information and we don't have meditation and we don't have a form of prayer in our lives that allows us to catch ourselves when we start to go back to sleep or we start to spin in the negativity, then it's easy to spin out. It's easy to get sad and depressed. Dr. E. Ali Akala, or Dr. Hugh Len as they call him, was the one that brought this idea of the Hono Oponopono to the West. And he didn't develop it. It was given to him. It was a gift given to him. And in Joe Vitale's book, Zero Limits, he talks about it. And it's that simple practice of when we start to spin out in the story or we start to judge ourselves or others or we find ourselves trapped in resentment or anger or fear to bring ourselves back to zero. And when I read this about Mark Nepo, it's exactly what he's talking about. See, all the great information, it's all steering us in the same direction. But it's so easy to, to read this and read this and read this and then forget or to get caught up in the memory. So Dr. E. Aliakala says, we are either motivated and acting from memory or from inspiration. And inspiration comes that when we're, we're so grounded in our spiritual practice, we're in, that, we're in that divine flow. 
that the conversation can go on. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, when deep calls unto deep, deep answers. He had enough spiritual practice and consciousness and awareness consistently to be able to be a prolific writer and teacher and lecturer. And people got it. And this is our tradition. How do we open to it? There's one life. Our prayer work is there's one life, God's life. That life is my life. We join up. We hook up to that idea. And my experience has been every time I've done that, and it seemed very mechanical at times. So this is the time we start classes again. When you go into class, it's, it's reorienting ourselves to a new way of thinking and being. And, and, and affirmative prayer is so, such a powerful tool. Dr. E. Aliakalas practices the four steps of the Ho'oponopono. Ho means cause, and Oponopono means perfection, cause perfection. And it's I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And the idea being that we are all connected. We're all one. And so Dr. E's philosophy is clean everything. Just keep cleaning. And the idea of thank you is thank you for showing up in my life. You irritate me so much. You bug me so much. I get to clean you. And as we clean for ourselves and our own consciousness, it, it shifts the energy. It creates that space. So Mark Nepo had this to say. I found this and I thought, this is beautiful. Each person is born with an unencumbered spot. An unencumbered spot. Today is called the clean slate, that sweet spot of grace. Each person is born with an unencumbered spot, free of expectation and regret. That's zero point that Dr. Iya Aliakala is talking about, zero point. Free of expectation and regret, free of ambition and embarrassment, free of fear and worry, an umbilical spot of grace, where where we were each first touched by God. It is this spot of grace that issues peace. Psychologists call the spot the psyche. Theologians call it the soul. Carl Jung called it the seat of the unconscious. Hindu masters call it Atman. Buddhists call it Dharma. Rilke called it inwardness. Sufis call it Kalb, Q-A-L-B. And Jesus calls it the center of our love. Isn't that interesting? All the traditions have a name for it, the experience. Oneness. At oneness, atonement, at onement. To know this spot of inwardness is to know who we are, not by surface markers of identity, not by where we work, or where <clears throat> or what we wear, or how we like to be addressed. But by feeling our place in relationship to the infinite and by inhabiting it. It's who we are. The okayness is who we are. We are born in a state of grace. And we live and move and have our being in that state of grace. But we start to live our lives from memory because we get conditioned, we get domesticated. This isn't a bad thing. It's just the way life is. And then we return to source. There's one life. It's God's life. That's my life. That is your life. And to have the conversation. See, this is a sacred vow. This is a sacred conversation. We come together, we do the music, and we celebrate, and it lifts us up, and then we have the conversation. And it's not just the conversation that I'm having with you. It's the conversation you're having with that place. You'll be in and out of the conversation. Typically, an audience retains about 10 to 15% of the spoken word. So what else is happening? See, this is a mystical teaching. This is the mystical conversation. And the poets know it. The artists know it. Lana knows it right in her song. Where does the song come from? Dr. E, uh, Hugh Len was interviewing uh, Rhonda Byrne, who wrote The Secret. And he said, Rhonda, 
did you write the secret? And Rhonda said, well, he was talking about where the ideas come from. She said, well, the ideas showed up. And she said, but I guess I did it. I guess I'm responsible for it. Well, she took the action. She took the meaningful action after the idea showed up. But the idea shows up from the infinite mind. We're all things. Dr. Holmes said we wouldn't have the urge to do things if it didn't already exist in the mind of the one. It's the idea. God's currency is ideas. And the way that I know for myself, and I think the, the blessing that we can share on this planet at this time and in our own individual lives is to continue to open to that. And so when I, I, I started reading the work by D, Dr. E. Aliakala on this simple little prayer, I realized, wow, here's a way I can continue to clean my consciousness. He said, just clean it, clean it up. Did you know that he was talking about every year in Japan, I had no idea until the middle of this last week, every year in Japan, 30,000 Japanese women commit suicide because they are not married. That's the statistic. Now, when I hear that, it saddens me in ways I can't even put words to. And I've thought about it enough so I can speak to it clearly without, you know, caving into that feeling. But there are, there's cultural conditioning, there's things that are happening on this planet. And how do I assist and bring the best of myself to this. Now, my teacher in, in the science of mind used to say, whenever things happen like that, know for everyone that they have everything they need, which helped pull me out of that spin. And I use that frequently. I hear, a, I hear a siren go by, and I just know wherever it's going, these people have everything they need. That's my prayer. I'm trained in this. Otherwise, if I, if I throw my training out and say, oh my God, something horrible is happening, there goes an ambulance. <sighs> what am I adding to the world? I'm knowing the highest and the best. At whatever level and whatever the, the information and the experience is assisting all of us, whatever level of consciousness is operating right there and right now, I know they have everything they need. It's not my job to pray for someone without their permission, but I want to know and I want to see and I want to hold the high watch for everyone, myself included. But it took me a long time to get to that awareness, but it was great. I was sitting in class one day, so what do I do? I, sometimes I want to be a class on time and sometimes someone's by the side of the road and they need their tire changed. And, look, and sometimes it's a vulnerable person. And she says, well, you know, follow your guidance. Sometimes you stop and you help change the tire. And if you can't, you absolutely can't, then know for them that the right and perfect thing is happening for them. And so there's, there's ways to manage our thinking and our consciousness that I think are more, far more effective. But if we spin, so Dr. E says we either operate from memory or inspiration. And so what I find in my own awareness is that when I find memories coming up for me or resentments or anger or frustration... I can clean. I say, what? There's something more for me to clean. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm cleated right now on the border guard when I first came across the border to come here eight years ago. And the guy said, you know, there's a guy in our file right now, looks just like you, that's wanted. Ever been in prison? No. Yeah, and, and this guy was so convincing, pretty soon I thought I had been in prison. I'm like... I don't think so. Let me think. Are you sure? No. I don't think so. I'm going to call my mom now and find out. Maybe I was at a young boy in prison for a while. I don't remember. I mean, and, 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 and it was interesting because once we got our permanent residence, we had to drive. You have to cross the border. So we did a bonsai run. We got up at like 4 in the morning. We drove all the way down through Lethbridge. And, went, and we did a loop around the customs building. Where are you folks going? We're going around the building here and coming back into the country. <laughs> So we came back in, and the same guy was there to sign our papers. 
so we could become, uh, used to be landed immigrant and it was permanent residence. And uh, I said, you know, you, you were the guy that when I came over the border the first time, you, you kept grilling me on what had I ever been arrested or been in prison. And he goes, oh, you would have remembered that. And I thought, oh, I tell you, you, you were quite convincing. Each of us lives, Mark Nepo continues, each of us lives in the midst of this ongoing tension, growing, tarnished, or covered over, only to be worn back to that incorruptible spot of grace at our core. See, the journey is back to God. The, the journey is back to that, that spot of grace. And when the film is worn through, we have moments of enlightenment, moments of wholeness, moments of satori, as the Zen sages term it, moments of clear living when inner meets outer, moments of full integrity of being, moments of complete oneness. And whether the film is a veil of culture, of memory, of mental or religious training, of trauma or sophistication, the removal of that film and the restoration of that timeless spot of grace is the goal of all therapy and education. Regardless of subject matter, this is the only thing worth teaching. See, our consciousness is precious. When we get so clear about who we are and whose we are, and when we have the tools, so inevitably, so what if we had a practice in our lives? What if you say, this is 2011, and you know what? I'm going to step up, and I'm going to have consistent meditation practice. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do, in the morning, I'm going to RPM, which is rise, relieve myself, <laughs> and meditate. Because I'm a citizen now. I've got to watch what I say. But, but rise... Take care of that and meditate. And the other is, is <clears throat> R-A-W, right after work. Twice a day meditate, right after work. Sit down, 20 minutes of meditation. And throughout the day when I start to be driven by the memories to say to myself, here's something I can clean. And whether through affirmative prayer or through or, or Dr. E's prayer, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. We're doing the work. Each time something shows up, I go, my God, here's something more for me to clean. Here's, here's something, a memory that I, it's still, still going on. I'm going to clean this. Because you understand what, what, who we are and whose we are. And by thought, by choosing, by managing our thinking, our lives are transformed. Dr. Ernest Holmes, one of my favorite books, Laura, we're in such high relationship around this teaching and our passion for it. And she read this book. She said, oh, my God, what a great book. And it's called Creative Mind and Success by Dr. Ernest Holmes. It's one of his earliest books, and it's not very big. And Dr. Holmes had this to say. He said, freedom comes to the individual from understanding the laws of our own life. The laws of our own life, and it's our consciousness. And most of us, myself included, you know, we, don't, we don't go to the ashram. We don't go to the mountaintop and spend all of our time. The, the opportunity is we're right here right now with one another, and we get a chance to be in this high relationship, and we get to see what things push our buttons. And then, you know, to realize, oh, my gosh, I get to clean this. This is alive for me. Dr. E said he's been doing this for 10 years. He said when he first went to go study it, a woman came, he was studying with a woman named Mora, and she was a, a kahuna, and kahuna means keeper of the secret in Hawaiian. And so he went the first time to go to a workshop. It was a two-day workshop on the weekend. He paid his tuition. He sat down for three hours, and he said, I can't take this. This woman's driving me crazy. She's nuts. And he left because he's a highly educated scientist. He had studied. He was a medical doctor. He knew all of the th different things. And this woman was just talking in ways that were really strange and 
and, and, and uh, confusing. So he went back the next weekend. He said, there's something here for me. He paid the tuition again. He sat down. He said he made it four hours and had to leave. But it kept working on him. He said, there, there's something here for me to know. And finally, he, he, whatever happened, he doesn't describe it in great detail, went back a third It took him three times to get himself aligned with the vibration of what she was speaking from. And in 1992, she made her transition, and he picked up the legacy. And the story is that he went into the Hawaiian State Mental Hospital and worked with the patients. And what it was was the, the rapist and the criminally insane. And he took their files, and he wouldn't meet with them. He wouldn't talk with them. But he realized there's oneness here. And whatever the, the discordant consciousness, whatever's going on within this individual, if we believe in oneness, it's alive in me too. And he said, so what I did is I cleaned my own consciousness. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. When we sit down as practitioners with one another, when I say I'm going to pray in the I am, the only, excuse me, the only place I can pray is in my own consciousness. I'm praying to clear my own consciousness because as I clear my own consciousness based on what you, our, our relationship is, it shifts and changes. I don't have to convince you of anything. It's helpful if you're willing. As T- Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. But it's the very same thing we do as practitioners. Well, what a wonderful thing and simple thing to do when you find yourself in resentment or anger or frustration about something that's a memory and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, that's not the truth of my being. I want to live, I want to stand over here in divine inspiration. I want to have this conversation going on. But I'm over here right now because I'm ticked off because somebody's bugging me again. But to realize and say, you know what, I am so grateful to be able to clean this. And as we continue to clean and continue to clean and continue to clean, everything changes. Because the more, we're, the more we clean up, we can stand over here more often. And then all of a sudden, the ideas that are most beneficial to show up for ourselves and everyone else have an opportunity. We can be in the conversation. It's not easy, I'm telling you. It requires effort. Dr. East had been doing it for 10 years, and he promised himself that when he finally achieved it, he went through one day without judging or criticizing or blaming in his own awareness. He would buy himself the biggest ice cream sundae he could possibly eat, big enough so it would make him ill. He said, it's been 10 years. I still haven't bought the ice cream. So it's not a destination, it's a process. It's a process. So all of us have this. We start this new year. I think it's wonderful. If you're thinking about a class, what happens in the classwork is we're, in it, we're with a group of people and the conversation becomes collective. There's, a, there's an infinite wisdom that can, gets generated and there's a connection that goes on. And you're also immersing yourself in something. You're saying to yourself, you know what, I'm ready for a new idea. I'm teachable, I'm open. And you see it. People's resistance shows up. There's great conversation. Classwork is powerful. Classwork is wonderful stuff. And you also get to borrow and be in the consciousness of someone that has immersed themselves in this teaching that is, that's all in, that's done enough prayer work. The rite of passage to become a minister in our, our tradition is really about the shifting and changing of consciousness. And it's ongoing. And so you have an opportunity to be exposed to the ideas and the practices. So what creates inevitability in your experience? What things can you and I do this day and each day hereafter that will assure inevitability of a life and an experience and a a revelation and a maturation and a sophistication of consciousness that is just lovely and beautiful? So that when you walk down the street, people say, here comes someone that is noble. And it's the nobility that shines forth through us. One of my favorite movies of all time is To Kill a Mockingbird. You ever seen that movie? If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's a wonderful book. In fact, Harper Lee wrote that book, and they kept saying to Harper Lee, when are you going to write another book? She said, I'm done. (laughs) That's my book. 
But Harper Lee wrote that book, and 11, when they've done the, tr the trial is over, and they had all the people of color up in the balcony because they couldn't sit on the main floor. And it's a story of a, a black man that is accused of raping a white woman in the South, and it's, it's in the early 1900s. And, and Gregory Peck plays the attorney that defends the black man. And so his, his, his daughter and son are in the balcony with all the people of color. And, one of the, and so Gregory Peck is picking his things up to leave. Uh, he's lost the case. He's picking his things up to leave, and they're all, all the people of color wait for him. And the elder who's up there taps Gregory Peck's son, uh, Jet, and I can't remember. The, the girl was Jet, and that boy, I can't remember. He taps him on the shoulder there. So he said, stand up with us. And they all stand because your father is passing. Stand up because your father is passing. Just this outpouring of respect and affection for this man who cared deeply. It's just, it's touching because I think what it does is it speaks to that, that nobility and that dignity that lives within all of us. And to live from that more often than not, we're going to forget. But to have the practices into our life so it sets up the inevitability to say, you know, man, this is a wonderful day. This is a powerful day. I can't wait to see how this comes out. I'm going to keep doing this work. I'm going to keep bringing myself back to zero point, to oneness, one life, God's life. I'm going to continue to know for myself and everyone in my life who they are and whose they are, to know that they have everything they need. See, the prayer work for others is the prayer work for us. And how we filter the consciousness is, is how we filter the consciousness. It's, and we're all free to decide what that's going to look like for us. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be alive. It's exciting to have this teaching in our life. It's exciting to not spin in the depression and the frustration and the fear. As we get to know one another, as this beautiful judge said to us, as you get to know one another, as you talk to your neighbors, you don't fear one another. As we get to know ourselves, we begin to build trust and integrity and nobility. It's already there. It's already there. This okayness. This longing to feel a sense of connection to spirit. It's already there. And when we forget, we forget because that's what we do. And we get influenced sometimes by stories or situations that are so compelling. It's, it's a challenge sometimes to bring ourselves back. And that's why it's great to have people around us that remind us, practitioners and ministers and teachers. I sat in a little church with my teacher for six years. She'd have 10 people on a Sunday. There wasn't enough money to even pay her a livable wage. She lived, in a, she lived and lives in a mobile home. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's, and she's still there. And the gifts that this woman bestowed and the time and the consciousness and the energy that she extended. I couldn't put a price on that. And I'm part of her legacy. And when I talk to her, I say, you know, this center is an extension of your consciousness. And the gifts and the blessings and the hours and time you spent praying with me and supporting me and bringing me back to this point over and over and over again. So pretty soon I could understand and hear that guidance and that, and that peace that passeth all understanding. I can't, I can't, I can't put a, a number on that. But if she hadn't planted those seeds with me, I don't think Laura and I ever would have come here. 
She said to me, great things require, require great sacrifice. Everything requires spiritual coin. And some of it is nominal. It doesn't have to be huge, but it has to be a willingness to step into it. Say, you know what, there might be something more for me to know here. And I'm open to that, and I'm available to that. And Dr. Holmes and the creative, creative mind and success... He says, we live in mind, and it can return to us only what we think into it. But if we're thinking into it memories, we're over here in the memories, and we keep thinking those same memories over and over again, what do we get? And that's why it's important to be able to say, that's enough. That's enough. I need to get into meditation. I need to get into prayer. I need to do my cleaning in my conscience. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And stand in that. I've been doing this so much over the last several months. I wake up, I'm doing it. I go to bed because I'll, I'll go to bed and I'll start thinking about all the things I have to do. You know, I'm going to clean that. I'm cleaning that right now. How many times have I gotten into my vehicle and grabbed my steering wheel and squeezed it out of frustration and anger? I've been cleaning my steering wheel now for weeks. <laughs> because it's alive. It's all God. It's all energy. You know, my body... In the book I'm reading, Zero Limits, he says, clean the body, thank it, be kind to it, thank you so much, this body temple that's carried me so beautifully on this planet, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. It's everywhere, it's these chairs we sit in, it's a podium. Before I come over on Sundays now, I think about every aspect of this sanctuary and I clean it, bless it, I want it to be, I want everything to be here. That's my gift that I can bring to this. And Dr. E says that when one person cleans, it cleans everyone. You think you don't make a difference in the world? You clean, you clean everyone. I was at that induction ceremony with all these beautiful people from 31 countries. I was cleaning the whole time. Dr. E says that when he gets up to present, that Joe, Joe Vitali or he, who's ever on platform, the other one's sitting there cleaning. If you go to many of our centers in, in this tradition, what the minister will ask the practitioners to do is to be in prayer the whole time, to hold the high watch. It's the gift. It creates that field of grace. It is the peace that passeth all understanding. And it is that, that high, that, the highest possibility and potential for our expression of life. So you and I stand together today. We are the sum total of all of our experiences. And all of it has been right and perfect. All of it is good and all of it is God, despite what it looked like. And this is the moment of highest possibility and highest potential. Where we put our energy, where we, where we pour our, our, our mental gold into is our choice in this moment. And are, and are we pouring it into the most effective things we possibly can, or are we being driven by the memory? Most people major in minor things. Most people major in minor things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just understanding when we're majoring ourselves in our minor things. I was given a wonderful gift of a, a, a group of CDs that I've been listening to over and over the last 24 or 48 hours. And in it, it, the teacher says, let other people, let other people be involved in, in playing small. That's not for you. And it's not for me. And when I talk about playing at the highest level possible, I'm talking about this. That openness, this awareness, that conversation. When deep calls unto deep, deep answers. 
And having the awareness and mindfulness, every time I step over here into the memory and the worry and the concern, and I'm majoring in minor things to say, you know what? There's something more interesting and possible here. And whatever I'm attached to in the memory, I clean it right now. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Because that is part of me up until until now. So it's a powerful, wonderful opportunity to be alive fully, immersed in this. So what practices guide you, support you in 2011? that create, to start to set the path right now of inevi- inevitability. What, what is inevitable in your life? Inevitable in your life based on the practices. What practices can I or you incorporate in a more consistent manner to assure the inevitability of continuing to be in that conversation? It's a wonderful opportunity. And I look forward to it with you. Blessings. So it is. <clears throat>